I V M. Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of Triangle Offense. The Bucks had the best offense, the best defense, a soon-to-be two-time MVP in their ranks. They had the best three-point per, three percentage shooter, uh, but when it mattered the most, they really came up short. Another loss to Miami Heat put them out of the... Uh, we won't be seeing them until the next year. On today's episode, we'll also be talking about the Lakers. LeBron James turning it up again. A, a performance for the ages. Two consecutive strong fourth quarters for the Lakers. We'll also be looking at the games that are to take place later today. The Raptors and the Nuggets, Game 3. We'll also be looking at the Celtics and the Raptors. We'll also be looking at the games to be taken place later today. The Clippers take on the Nuggets, Round 4. We'll be looking at the Celtics and the Raptors. The Raptors really in need of a win or else they'll be going home as well. All that and more in today's episode of Triangle Offense. Hey Nishant, you must be over the top. An exceptional performance by the Lakers. A great shooting night, LeBron and AD combining for 60 plus points, 55% shooting. Playoff Braun turning it on, playoff Rondo brought his A game on. Great, great performance. Yeah, no doubt. Like I said, um, I expect Lakers to make short work of the Rockets from here on. Uh, Rockets best case scenario, like I mentioned yesterday, is a game six. Uh, is stretching the series to game six, but otherwise Lakers in five and I'm standing by that and I... I saw nothing that that proves me wrong. Uh, another statement to win from the Lakers. You touched upon their um, fourth quarter performance. And it was the fourth quarter that clinched this game. Looking at this series, right? Um, in all three games so far, it's been pretty tight for three quarters. And then whichever team took the fourth quarter took the game. Because it, it was single-digit leads or, or scores tied after three quarters, right? Any such scenario, I would fancy the Lakers over the Rockets. The Lakers aren't great. Usually, their fourth quarters have been a bit of a hit and miss, especially in tight games this season. But they're nothing compared to the Rockets. They've botched more fourth quarters than, than any other big team, any other title contenders this season. And that's an added layer of, of comfort for me. That the games have been really, really tight going into the fourth quarter. And then whoever takes the fourth quarter usually wins the game. And in that scenario, I'd fancy the Lakers even more than the Rockets. So yeah, I'm really happy. And, and it's great to see... Um, Lakers speaking again, I think this is the version of the Lakers that we saw just before the league shut down was, mm-hmm. you know, when they beat the Clippers and then they beat the Bucks back to back. We're kind of seeing that version of the Lakers. Not only are they defending at their best again, not only are the big two firing on all cylinders, but what makes them damn near unstoppable is there's so much support scoring now. In the previous game, it was it was a combination of Kuzma, Markeith Morris, and Rondo who got the points and the assists. In this game, it was Rondo again who was big time, big time. He was he was easily the difference maker. Um, and then Kuzma again had a had a solid scoring night. If the support gets going like that and they start raining threes in key moments, it's over for the league. Uh, the Lakers can win it all if they if they get support scoring in addition to AD and LeBron. It could be anyone. Usually Kuzma is the guy they look to. But Markeef came up big. Um, you know, we saw one win against the Clippers where every Bradley went off for 20 plus and a bunch of threes. It was Rondo today. Any support scoring, it just makes the Lakers next to uh, next to impossible to beat. You hit the nail on the head there. Like you said, uh, 
yes lebron and ad did get 60 plus 62 points but so did harden and westbrook they westbrook so they, they did get 63 points as well but it was the bench scoring that made the difference i think uh, lakers scored 42 of the bench whereas the rockets just managed around 16 of the bench so that clearly being the difference there and also one thing i want to touch upon was the lakers defense yesterday it was so good they just allowed rockets to shoot 38 33 pointers uh, unlike the previous games where rockets were averaging almost around 50 per game uh, rockets just took around 30 and the lakers took 33 pointers so that's how good the lakers defense were oh yeah they were tight on the perimeter uh, that blew my mind that that's new because the lakers haven't defended the perimeter very well all season long which is why a team as average as the phoenix suns were able to give lakers trouble just on the basis of their three shooting Sacramento Kings that have no business being on the same floor as the Lakers gave them trouble just because three shooting and people like Buddy Hield were just going off for fun. Uh, th- that was that was special yesterday. Uh, perimeter defense not something that I expected, and and it was a good thing too that they were able to restrict the Rockets to only thirty good looks uh, or just any looks really from three because they were shooting it pretty well last night. Had the Rockets put up some more three attempts, that's the ball game right there, game over, no chance for the Lakers. so so that perimeter defense really proved to be to come in handy a lot of credit again uh, first of all to lebron because this is what he does every season and that's why he's so great he he's kind of figured out that he can take off on defense in the off season uh, in the regular season not put in that level of effort night in night out kind of a mini load management not quite at kawhi's level but almost there and then when the playoffs come he turns it on because anyone who remembers miami lebron would remember this this defensive monster and he becomes that when he needs to and he became that today uh credit to james harden and it speaks to his greatness that he still went off for 33 9 and 9 despite lebron defending him pretty well but he prevented a bunch of three attempts on the perimeter uh, full credit also to rondo who was who was just about outstanding uh, something short of every bradley but he was just just about amazing the way he guarded the perimeter yesterday uh, and the lakers overall the full credit to to vogel for figuring out their perimeter defense Um, we talked about the lakers playing zone defense in game 2 they did that in game 3 even better they held their shape even better they closed down uh, passing lanes even better and that's why they were able to force uh, a few turnovers in key moments also from from the rockets so that was an amazing job uh, restricting the yeah. houston rockets to 33s yeah you can talk all about the lakers but you can't uh, go away without talking about lebron right what a monster performance from him yet again in the playoffs 36 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists and 4 incredible blocks all coming one after the other. I mean that was uh, LeBron from the past. He was just out there just swatting away anything that the Rockets were throwing at him and also play of Rondo. He turned it up. The experience uh, helping Lakers over there that's something that the Rockets lack, right? This experience in the big games like uh, LeBron and Rondo have both won titles. So that means that they have played these games right at the deep and they know how to manage these big big games and the big moments this is one of those areas where want want the rockets wish they had chris paul in their team right now they traded him away but his experience his clutch decision making his ability to rally the troops together in in the final moments of a game that's invaluable that's something that westbrook does not possess it's something that james harden does not possess and that was solely missed yesterday because on one hand you had somebody as elite as lebron guarding Harden and all of the Houston Rockets offense you had somebody as high energy as Kyle Kuzma Markeith with the hustle and all of that was great but you saw Rajon Rondo take over the perimeter in that zone he was the one calling the switches he was the one uh, at the top of the key 
calling players. He was the one getting uh, asking Anthony Davis to take a certain position and and LeBron to pick a certain spot. Uh, that that experience is priceless. And we spoke about this just before the playoffs began of Rondo's ability to be uh, to be a chess master. Really, when he gets consecutive games against the same opponent, every match he becomes that much smarter as to how best to beat them. And this this has been true for ten years now, right from his Boston Celtics days. Rondo is a genius of the court in a playoff series because every match it's like he figures out something else that can break down the opponents and each match you you see his team get that much stronger and that's what we're seeing now with the Lakers and this is this is special I don't think Houston have anyone that can that can counteract uh, Rondo's brilliance and Vogel's schemes and uh, just the sheer outstanding dominance of LeBron James and Anthony Davis this series really is over for me yeah, totally. I mean, Rondo, they, it's like they pulled out a trump card out of nowhere, right? He got nine assists in the previous game, 21 points and nine assists in this game. Took over the fourth quarter, responsible for 23 points. I think he scored 21 of them and uh, and then got two assists as well. So, incredible performance from Rondo. Before we uh, forget, we also had the Miami and the Bucks game earlier that day. And the Miami was going into the game. I mean, they knew that Giannis was out, so they just had to come up, show up their... A game and wrap up the series. The Bucks though went toe to toe, kept Miami in the game. I mean, kept Bucks in the game till the end. But ultimately, it was a matter of when rather than if, right? I mean, the Heat was too strong for the Bucks without Giannis. Even with Giannis, they have been dominating them. But without Giannis, it was a question of when they were going to crumble. And yeah, they were let down again by by their shooting. They had just a miserable shooting night um, because uh, this was almost. If if you look at this, if I showed you the stat sheet blind, you would think this was a Toronto Raptors performance. This is Toronto all over again. Quick half-court sets, getting up shot after shot after shot. They took, what was it, 17, 18 more attempts than the Miami Heat in the game. And they still hit lesser field goals. Forget the percentages, just lesser field goals overall. Three shooting was off. Free throw shooting was off. There's not a thing they did right in the game. There's not there's not a category where they where they matched up to to the Miami Heat, and and it must be said, it, it was that damn stifling Miami Heat defense again, and it's it's never one guy, it's the entire unit. Just the walls are closing in on any team that they face, and they did this with Giannis on the floor too in the regular season. So it's not like they were bullying a Giannis less superstar less team. They did this with Giannis on the court. That that defensive discipline is phenomenal. They're restricted. Milwaukee got a lot of shots off. They didn't get a lot of high-quality shots off. They didn't get a lot of high-percentage looks. They weren't taking a lot of high-probability shots. And that's full credit to, to the Miami defense. Uh, they played zero man-to-man. Throughout the game, they just zoned up. They knew the spots they wanted to cover. They were more than happy to, to let some of those Milwaukee shooters get open. Because that's the risk you run with, with man-to-man defense. They were more than happy to leave Bledsoe uh, and a couple of other shooters wide open to take shots as long as they held their defensive shape on the zone because they knew these guys were going to miss. And they knew all they had to do was close the gap a little bit, get a hand up, and they knew they'll make it a low percentage shot straight away. And and Bledsoe did nothing but prove them right. So uh, what, what a performance. And these guys are now hot favorites to, to come out of the East just on the merit of their defense. But if Boston do make it out from the other game, uh, what a clash. What a clash that would be of, of these two young, outstanding defense, electrifying offense squads. Boston has the edge on offense, but Miami has it on defense. So th- that'll be a, maybe the beginning of a rivalry in the East. I don't know, but it's something that I'm, that I'm really, really looking forward to. 
Yeah, something that I'm looking forward to as well. A Celtics and Lakers final would be an absolute dream, wanted <laughs> because both the teams, uh, Lakers especially, have been struggling in the recent past. So to see them in the finals and meet Celtics over there would be an absolute dream. But before we get to Celtics and the Raptors and that, the Bucks though, where do they go from here? Giannis has come out and said that he's not going anywhere. He's going to stay with the Bucks. We'll give it one more year. We'll give it a shot. Where do they go from here? Do you think? They trade away some of their big pieces, get a superstar in, support Giannis and go for a title there. Or you stick with the same team and then hope, because this, this was one of the best regular season teams ever, right? They were on streak to get a 70 match streak this year, but uh, because of the pandemic, the league shut down and then that kind of took away the momentum, you could say. But come on, this was one of the best regular, all-time regular season teams. Uh, so... They're not really bad, but do they really need a superstar to elevate them to another level in the playoffs? I mean, what team would say no to a superstar? But more than that, I think they need... What did OKC have that got them this far in the playoffs? They had Chris Paul's experience. They had a great bunch of talented players, but they had Chris Paul's experience, leadership, clutch decision-making, mentoring, all of that. Lakers, why is Rondo's return proving to be so priceless? Same thing. What does LeBron offer? Same thing. What does Kawhi Leonard offer? Same thing. What Milwaukee lack right now are players, minds, thought leaders that can get it done in the playoffs, that can get it done in tight situations. And they lack clutch performers. They lack people who can take over scoring. Denver Nuggets, why were they so lethal? Whenever you have Jokic content, you still have to deal with the Jamal Murray. You can get his own shot, who can go off on you for 40-50 points. They don't have that in Milwaukee. Chris Middleton is not that guy. He kind of fell into that D'Angelo Russell syndrome where, where he took a million shots and, and scored, had a 20-plus point scoring game. That doesn't impress me. That's kind of like Tobias Harris in the Sixers when Simmons is not on the floor. That's not impressive at all. And, and he simply can't take over games. He'll have one, one night, sure, where he goes off big. But, but otherwise, no. So what Milwaukee need right now is A, somebody who knows how to get it done in the playoffs. And if that somebody is also someone that can score off the dribble, get his own shot, and come up big in the clutch as a shooter, they're all set. That's all they need. And you don't need someone elite for this. If they can get a superstar, why not? If they can get somebody like Bradley Beal, why not? Although he doesn't have that playoff experience either. But but with his shooting skill, they, they should go for it. Absolutely. Um, if they could trade in, let's say, Bledsoe for a Devin Booker, or even a Lonzo Ball, who each come with their own skill sets. Lonzo, not so great on offense, phenomenal on defense. Great playmaker. Devin Booker, wow scorer. Right? Somebody like that. Somebody that can supplement. When Giannis gets double and triple team, what do you do? I don't think having the same team is going to work. It would be stupidity to go through another season with the same damn squad, expecting um, different outcomes. When other teams are all around them are going to get stronger through the draft, through trades, and just through natural evolution. Somebody like a Tatum becoming so much better next year. Jalen Brown and all those young guys. They've got a trade. Um, I, I would trade Bledsoe. I think he's a liability. He's a phenomenal defender, but I think he's a liability on offense and he's a liability in clutch moments. Uh, even in the regular season, he's not great when, when the games get tight and they go down, uh, down the wire. Middleton, I'm not sold, but I don't know if they can really clear house. If there's just one guy they have to trade, it'll have to be Bledsoe and a bunch of other pieces uh, in exchange for a, for a key decision maker, clutch shooter. If they can trade Bledsoe and Middleton and get a package in return, nothing like it. But they've got to change things up. Um, I respect Giannis. 
I think he's taken a completely different route to what LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and most of the recent players have taken. And more power to those guys, right? I think half the reason why the world is pissed off with, with Durant and LeBron is not because they made the league less competitive. That's the league's problem. They did what they had to to get a title. What people are pissed off about really is it goes against what they know about the system. It's new. It's radical. Because so far, you've had GMs put teams together and nobody had a problem with that. Nobody said, oh, it's just unfair when you bring in Shaq and Kobe onto the same squad or you know, when you put together the big three Celtics or the big four Celtics or that Detroit Pistons squad. Nobody said a thing because that's normal. That's the GM doing their job. But the second players take control, do their own thing uh, against the wish of some of those rich white boy owners, that's a problem. Uh, all of a sudden, it's a scandal. Giannis is taking the old school approach here. He's kind of going down that... Uh, Kobe after Shaq or Nowitzki at Dallas or really anyone that just stuck around until his team was strong enough to win a championship. Pick any of those guys and he's going down the same route or even a Hakeem for that matter or a Jordan before he got Pippen, right? They stuck to their teams, stayed loyal, allowed them time to rebuild, a chance to build around them. And look, if at the end of next year, I wouldn't be surprised if Giannis decides to stay. I don't think he's... He's got a very different European sort of approach. I think he's high on loyalty. And if he does stay, he can get a Supermax contract anywhere and, and get the biggest payday in the history of basketball. I respect that. I, I would have, it would have been mouth-watering to see him go to, say, a Miami or a, or a Golden State. But if he wants to stay there and build, they absolutely can build. It's not like it's over for the team. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do next season. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Milwaukee Bucks do. Though they have the biggest, they have the league MVP in their ranks. They have the most work to do in the offseason, I believe. We spoke a bit about the Celtics uh, reaching the conference final and they have a great opportunity to do that today by closing out the series, series against the Raptors. Uh, what, what can we expect from the Celtics today? I mean, they have been on and off the series. They've been dominant. When they've been dominant, they've shut out matches very early. But when they've looked off, the Toronto Raptors have crept back in. Credit to them, they've stayed, in, they've stayed alive in the series despite a poor, poor performance. They've taken this to six. If the Celtics switch off today, I think it's going to be really, really close because game seven is a lottery, right? I mean, it just depends on which t- team turns up that day. And with the Raptors having that experience from last season, I think they would be stronger team going into game seven if it goes all that way. So best chance for Celtics is to shut the game out today. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I agree. Game seven is a lottery. And especially in this series, if it goes to game seven, Toronto then have the momentum, right? Because they, they had no business stretching the series to seven. Um, Boston will only have, even now, just the fact that it has gone to game six, Boston only have themselves to blame. They switched off for a couple of games, at least one for sure. That was a blunder, letting OG Ananobi take that shot. If this goes to a game seven, I think that will shatter Boston's morale. I think that will give Toronto all the uh, momentum that they need. And God knows they have enough experience to, to see a series through. I think what Boston, the only thing that Boston lack right now, is that experience in the playoffs that what do we do in this situation to just close out, be, be ice cold, close out a series. Jimmy Butler knows how it's done. Yeah. And his leadership was priceless. Uh, let's not forget, they also had uh, Iguodala and a couple of other guys that, uh, including Pat Riley, of course, that know how to get it done in that, in that unit. Um, that's the only thing really that Celtics lack. And, and we're seeing a, a special squad evolve before our eyes. Uh, they have some experienced pieces like Kemba and you could put Gordon Hayward in that bracket. And then some scintillating young talent uh, in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and the likes. If they can, uh, this, this is a litmus test. If they can figure out how to close this series, just shut it down tomorrow. It's well within their grasp. 
that's one step further in their evolution curve. And lo and behold, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals and they've given them this, uh, a fighting shot to contend for the title maybe even uh, this season and not wait for, for the growth next season. I, I would expect them to shut it down. I think it'll be a statement victory if they do. Um, it would be unpardonable if they let this series go to seven. They've already let it stretch too far. That being said, it's a litmus test of their uh, of their experience, of their ability to close out a tight series of leadership. Uh, if Jason Tatum steps up tomorrow, that's that's the last step. He is a bona fide star uh, contending now to be a face of the league and not just a young, hot talent anymore. I totally agree. I think that'll be a delicious matchup if the Celtics face the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. But also what will be uh, very interesting is the Lakers if they play the Clippers in the final, right? That'll be like an LA derby out in the East in Orlando. The Lakers, have, uh, the Clippers have a great chance to extend the lead, go 3-1 up. And then once you go 3-1 up, there's no really looking back, right? Unless you really screw it up from there. So it's a big, big game for the Denver Nuggets today. They'll be looking to level the series. And once you level the series, you also have the momentum to uh, extend it as far as you can, right? So I think a uh, big, big game today for both the teams. Clippers looking to put an, I mean, put a gap between them and the Nuggets. The Nuggets really looking to stay stay alive in the series. Yeah, I have so many thoughts on this fixture. First of all, let me just say this. I have learned not to bet against the Denver Nuggets in the NBA playoffs. Simple. Um, but I don't think they have it in them to win two series back-to-back after going 3-1 down. That's not going to happen. So they have everything to play for tomorrow. Um, it's it's incredible how strong, how deep, how hyped the LA Clippers squad is. And yet how much they depend on Kawhi Leonard. Because I again, I see myself saying, if Kawhi Leonard doesn't take over the game tomorrow, they're in deep shit. They're in trouble, series is tied. And now Denver start to believe. Now they're thinking they, they're actually stronger. They can take the Clippers. And Clippers have problems from then on. Because Denver aren't backing down from a fight. Uh, they, they they look like kids. They look like Jokic is uh, the soft, kind of not too pacey guy. But they're, they're not backing down from any fight. So again, it comes down to, is Kawhi going to deliver the Clippers from darkness? Because otherwise, honestly, in all of the games so far, I haven't seen that much that separates the two teams. I think Denver are in with a shot. It's not even an underdog story. I think they're pretty well matched against the Clippers. If Kawhi or Paul George, one of them needs to have a superstar game and shut this thing down, take a 3-1 lead. It's still not done, but it's more or less done. But if they allow Denver to pick up another game, boy, are they going to have a nightmare series from that point on. I agree with you. I mean, I don't think the Clippers would fancy themselves going into six games again because you didn't expect that against the Mavericks, but they did. Uh, if they go against, if they go the length against Nuggets, I think uh, they'll be fatigued and they won't have the best real... They won't be in the best shape before the finals if they get there. Yeah, can I just say about the Nuggets, if Jamal Murray, we've spoken a lot about Kawhi and Paul George, but the Nuggets have an awesome duo of their own. Um, here's my wish list, right? If Michael Porter Jr. starts getting hot again, give him some more minutes. It was atrocious how few minutes he got um, in, the, in, in the previous game. And it just makes no sense to me. Uh, regardless of his defensive frailties, just let him go. Two, if Murray can have a somewhat decent scoring game and supplement the Joker's efforts. Because in this series, unlike against Utah, they should firmly be looking towards uh, Jokic to, to lead the charge because he's the one guy who can run circles around the 
the Clippers defense. They can handle Jamal Murray. They just they have no clue what to do with with a player like Jokic. So if Jokic can can continue doing his thing, and Jamal Murray can have even a half decent game, we've got ourselves a ball game. We've got ourselves a series. And if the Clippers drop this one, they're going to be sweating bullets from that point on. Absolutely, we have two great games to look forward to today. But just before we wrap up the today's episode. Player of the day for you. This is going to be easy, right? It has to be LeBron James. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, honorable mention Rondo for because that really was. If when Rondo plays like that, the Lakers are unstoppable. We know AD and LeBron, but when Rondo plays like that, or if Kuzma has a big scoring night, the Lakers are just about unstoppable. Not only was Rondo defending, not only was he again killing it on the assist front, giving LeBron. both time to breathe on the bench and also focus only on his scoring uh, on offense on a number of plays on top of all that he was shooting pretty well man he hit uh, 70 plus percent from field 60% yeah. three pointers come on so honorable mention there but but it's the king all the way this was an unleashed lebron a lebron who wasn't saddled with as much responsibility on playmaking because he wasn't tasked with getting everyone touches getting everyone Uh, to their spots and getting them high probability looks all of that was being done by rondo to a large extent uh, by anthony davis too by the way had more assists than lebron so they took a lot of load off of lebron on rebounds on assists and just kind of unleashed the king on on scoring and the king scored and because he's he apparently had so much energy left over he unleashed a block party in the third quarter four blocks in one quarter uh, it it just forget the impact it has on scoring just in terms of morale in terms of mentally beating the other team down and boosting your team up those are priceless coming in the third quarter so lebron james all the way this is playoff bron plain and simple he's he's flexing for fun now yeah we're going to have easy nights when playoff bron brings a game right he's going to be the player of the day more often than not and yesterday he went past uh, fisher's record of the most playoff victories in an nba so great achievement for lebron you saw that coming for a player of his caliber as well Flop of the day for you. Yeah, Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe. I, yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Yeah, Bledsoe, man. I mean, enough now. Two seasons in a row, he stunk it up. Middleton at least had one game or two last season, and this season, where he kind of played okay and and delivered a win. Bledsoe just disappears into a black hole. No pun intended. When the playoffs come around, and uh, it's it's inexplicable, really. A player of his caliber who can he's not the greatest shooter. but he can play make he can get a few buckets he can defend like it's nobody's business all of these things get diminished in the playoffs it's unreal i think he needs to be traded honestly it was the flop of the day today i think bucks should say enough enough trade him or or relegate him to the bench but he is not a starter for a championship winning team agreed there bledsoe having poor performance just before we go on to the plays of the day bledsoe's numbers here he had 11.8 points the series average uh, 33% shooting 21% from 3 that's not really a, a player you want on the championship contending team right and he uh, shoots volume too it's not like he's conservative on attempts he, yeah it's like garbage and he keeps putting shots up you're not you're not Kobe Bryant you're not James Harden you don't get to take those <laughs> many attempts when you're shooting like garbage absolutely a uh, play of the day for you for me it has to be the lebron block 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 because the harden uh, harden and westbrook couldn't get a shot off they couldn't when they drove to the basket he, they were still lebron they couldn't get the threes off they couldn't get twos off so what do you do when lebron is in that mode right yeah and it's so demoralizing when they had the little plays they had the little play actions where um, they pulled the trees away from the rim so to speak or they loaded them up on one side kind of pulled anthony davis and the other big guys to one side 
and they thought they were getting clean runs to the basket and easy layups or dunks and here comes lebron chase down block chase down block block on your block in your face i was so demoralizing and and in playoffs what have we seen whenever plan a fails a lot of teams struggle to switch to plan b because some of them don't have a plan b and some of them are so in shock that they can't come to terms with the reality that they need to let go of their plan a which they're in love with so much and and things like these force you to to um second guess your own game plan and lebron james in the third quarter just blew their game plan to smithereens with all of those blocks uh, such a boost to his team like i mentioned such a demoralizing thing to see for the entire rockets squad easily those four blocks play of the day easily with that we will wrap up today's episode two great games to look forward to today the celtics hopefully will wrap it up and will face miami in the eastern conference finals but we also have the clippers and the nuggets later on the clippers looking to stretch the lead the nuggets looking to equalize going to be a great game either way so we'll have a lot to talk to tomorrow yeah looking forward to it especially the the clippers nuggets game i think it's going to be a, a dog fight yeah yeah that's what you're looking for see you all right man see you